0: Hi everyone, my name is Marielle, and I'm the founder of Travel Experiences Reimagined, the podcast for travel enthusiasts, wanderlusts, and adventure seekers craving to learn more about tours and excursions from all over the world through the eyes of a new tour guide or host each episode. Hi everyone, when you think of Rocky, what comes to mind? Those famous steps? The boxing? His actual story? What if I told you that there was a tour out there with someone who is an incredible impersonator of Rocky, knows everything about Rocky like the back of his hand, and just so much more that you wouldn't even think of? I am so excited for my guest, Mike, who is the founder of the Yo! Philly Rocky Film Tour, based out of, you guessed it, Philly, where he offers private tours for up to seven people to take you around Philly, but not just any part of Philly, All of the locations and areas where Rocky was filmed to give you a true insider perspective. Welcome, Mike. Did I miss anything?
1: you hit the nail on the head.
0: Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited for you to be here. I personally love Rocky. I love the movies. I actually box myself. So this is really exciting for me. But I really want to get into your backstory, right? A little more of your background of jobs you've had to know, right? Other places you've lived, just to give listeners a little bit more of an idea of who Mike is.
1: Sure, I guess I can start at the beginning. I was born and raised in Scranton, Pennsylvania, lived there uh, for until I was about 35, moved to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania with Corporate America, and three years ago, my tour business, I've been doing these Rocky film tours for about 15 years, and they took off to a level I never could have imagined. So we moved from Harrisburg to Philly because I was commuting two hours one way driving eight hours during the tours, then two hours back home. It was quite a lot.
0: Yikes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And as far as jobs that I've had, uh, mostly manual labor. I worked my way up to being, I went to the police academy when I was in my mid-twenties and I uh, did fairly well for about five or six years until I realized being a cop is That's not my calling. I I couldn't let it go when I went home. So I said, okay. Then I got into corporate management, and I was an optician and a general manager for LensCrafters until 2008 when uh, the economy crashed. And in the meantime, I was building this Rocky business. Now, people might say, well, how does someone go to become a Rocky tour guide? Well, in 1979, I saw Rocky for the first time, and I said right then and there, I want to be Rocky. And I would begin to emulate the character wearing a fedora and a leather jacket to hide all of my insecurities. And what that would do, I would feel like I would fit in with other people. But really, I was somewhat slightly disturbed because I was acting like the character. I was never acting like me, but it was a shield of sorts. Does that make sense?
0: So you're almost like a third party to yourself, right? I joke <laughs> like I joke about this when I box. You know, my boxing name is Juanita, right? It's a, t- it's a different side of my personality. But I'm Marielle, right, at the end of the day. So you're almost showing this facade of you, like this mask, of that you're Rocky or you're portraying Rocky, but you're still Mike on the inside, right? You're still who you are.
1: (laughs) I'm not on any type of meds. I don't see any doctors on a weekly basis. Really, I've seen, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm as sound as a person can be, but when I was a kid, I was, because I was so tiny as a kid, I was pushed around by schoolyard bullies. And a lot of kids were. And I had this imagination. And I would always dress like my heroes, Zorro, the Lone Ranger, what have you. But I would dress like this. They were Halloween costumes I would leave on year round. And when I saw Rocky with the fedora in the hat, I said, my God, here's this guy who's a, he's a loner. Like I'm a loner, not a loser a loner. And he walks around and he just wants to have the love of of his girl, Adrian. And he has some odd friends in his life, which kind of was my life minus the girl. Well, as I grew older, I realized this character was not helping me meet girls. It was alienating me. So I luckily stumbled across this girl who (laughs) loved Rambo and Rocky almost as much as I did. And we went out on a date and I ended up marrying her. We've been together 33 years.
0: Wow. Congratulations. I think that's really exciting and to have somebody who shares that type of love. But right, you've mentioned these other characters. What was it about Rocky that really made you want to dress like him, feel like you are him, and really just engross yourself in that particular character versus Zorro or some other characters that you mentioned?
1: Because I was alone and lonely. Rocky was the same. He had not a lot going for him and I always saw myself in that way, that I wasn't particularly smart in school. I couldn't fit in with the in crowd at school. And I was trying to figure, what am I going to do? But I saw Rocky and it's like, Rocky was okay. He, even though he was living in a poor part of town, he figured it out for himself. He said, you know what? I'm going to be okay. This is fine for me. So if it was good for Rocky and it was good for me, I could I found that connection and I loved the hat in the coat. The hat in the coat became my Shield, I could hide behind this hat or in this hat and coat. And when people would laugh or call me names or whatever, it wouldn't bother me. I wouldn't care because in the coat, I could do anything. And that sort of set the tone for the rest of my life, especially as an adult. At some point, I did realize that, you know, I couldn't do this for a living. I, to put it very succinctly, in 1986, I was, I graduated high school. And in my senior year, the guidance counselor calls you down into the office and it would tell you, He'd ask all the kids, you know, what do you want to do? You want to go to college? You want to go to trade school, the service? And I was sitting there with that Rocky fedora and leather jacket on trying to affect a Stallone voice. And I said, oh, I want to be Rocky. And he goes, oh, you want to be a professional boxer? I said, no, no, I tried that. Not for me. He goes, <laughs> I did, and I tried it when I was 13. I lasted about a round and a half, and that was it. And then he said, oh, you want to be an actor like Stallone? I said, no. I said, I want to dress like this, the hat and the coat. I want to walk around Philadelphia, and I want to promote Rocky, and I want to get paid to do so. Wow! Get out of my office. This is the dumbest thing in the world. This doesn't exist. And you know what, Marielle? He's right. It didn't exist at the time. None of this existed. So I move forward in life and I realize I've got to do something with my life. So I hang up the hat and the coat in the closet and I go to the police academy and I succeed. I graduate in the top of my class with exemplary marks. And I, I was very proud of myself. I immediately got a job with my hometown in the next town over as a, a police officer, but that didn't work out. So then I got into corporate America. And then a funny thing happened in 2006. So, Lester Stallone decides to bring back Rocky Balboa for one last round.
0: Was this a movie he did this for, or how did that yes. work?
1: So, when Stallone, and let's see, probably in maybe 2000 or 99, Stallone had been playing with the idea of Rocky Balboa, the 6th. Rocky movie because he had been so, he disliked Rocky five. He wanted he knew that failed amongst fans and he wanted to make up for it. It's the only Rocky that was quote unquote failed. So he said, okay, I want to rewrite this last chapter and it would be about not giving up, not retiring quietly. If you got more to prove, then go prove it, go do it. Don't point your finger at saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. So Rocky, he needs to vent. Adrian is dead and he needs to vent this out. And he can't go to a psychiatrist. He's not a psychiatrist type of guy. So he gets back into the ring for just cheap club fights. But then fate takes over and he fights the champ. So when this movie came out, like it shocked everyone. It did. It was. It put Stallone back on top again. It was a huge comeback. And I got to. I got to spend probably a week and a half on set. A Rocky Balboa, speaking with Stallone. It was. It was a very long story through happenstance. But I wrote a book that chronicles it called Cue the Rocky Music. And in it, it really goes over my friendship with Stallone that has been built over 15 years and how I got in these movie sets. There's a scene in Rocky Balboa where he and Paul take a tour of all the old locations that he hung out with, both with he and Paulie, him and Mickey, and him and Adrian. And it's the way Rocky, it's the anniversary of Adrian's death. And so he goes on this tour, and we're sitting there, and my wife leans over, and she goes, boy, wouldn't it be something if somebody invented a Rocky tour? And she wasn't saying that necessarily for me to do it. She just said, could you imagine like, if there was a Rocky tour? I was like, yeah. Hmm. So, that was 2006. Long story short, later that year in September, I win a national Rocky lookalike contest in Philadelphia. And the prize was going to, uh, in December, was the uh, red carpet premiere in Philly and Stallone and all the stars are going to be there. So you got to walk the red carpet. You got to see the movie with Sly and then you go to the after party with Stallone and all the actors. And we all started talking. I got to know Burt Young. Eventually, Burt Young invited me out to his house. Burt Young, of course, played Paulie Panino, Adrian's brother and Rocky's best friend in in the series and it began a unique cycle in my life that has not stopped so I would say somewhere around two thousand and oh maybe nine. 10, I came up with this idea. I finally took the bull by the horns, like my wife suggested two, three years earlier, and I started doing these Rocky tours on a school bus. Wow! Yeah, because there's no book that says how to create a Rocky tour. So what I did, I said, okay, whenever I was on a tour, my wife on vacation, whatever, we take a bus tour, a double-decker bus tour in New York or whatever. So I rented a yellow school bus, had to pay for the insurance, had to pay for a school bus driver. I don't know if you've ever been to the streets in Kensington, but they're very narrow,
0: I was going to say, Philly in general is a smaller city from what I remember going through, and I can't imagine a big yellow school bus going through this. So I'd love to get into your tours because I find them really interesting where you go to each location of what was on Rocky, right? I think a lot of people really get jazzed about that because they feel like they're part of the movie, right? It's not a movie set where, you know, it's Steiner Studios or any major studio. You're actually going to the places where they filmed, which... I think is amazing. Walk me through your tour. I'd love to know some logistics of how long it is, how many stops you do, just to give the listeners like a great idea of what they can expect going on a tour with you.
1: So the school bus didn't work. (laughs) We did four (laughs) tours and that just, I was losing $1,000 every tour. I couldn't hear myself talk. You know how cavernous it is on a bus. So then I thought, why don't I get a smaller, like a mom's soccer van and I just do private tours only? And that's when it dawned on me. That's when my tours became something special. And the first person that took the tour was one of the Pope's Vatican guards. And he wrote the first review on TripAdvisor. And after that, it was like a spigot. I really became famous in the tour world, in the Rocky tour world. So what a tour is, the tour will last about three, three and a half hours, depending on traffic. And I weave a story of... This Forrest Gump meets Rocky-like existence I've personally been living, my friendship with Stallone, and all of the times that I have communicated, text messaged, emailed, or spoke with Sly or had was at the we had uh, I was at his birthday dinner at the Victor Cafe his 60th birthday dinner and he always set an enormous amount of time for me and I asked him a lot of questions so right from the horse's mouth I got some deep inside information that is not necessarily out in the general domain on the internet And I weave this story as we go from location to location. And one of the first locations we go to is from the spinoff series of Creed, the gym that Rocky trains at. is at. Now, you have to understand, a lot of these locations were exterior only because when they were here in Rocky and Rocky II, they, they didn't necessarily have a big budget. So they did the exteriors here and they filmed the interiors at actual locations in Los Angeles. So they didn't have money to spend $5,000 to build a set, but they had $500 to rent a gym or rent an apartment or a storefront. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And I think a lot of shows are like this. I even think of The Sopranos, for example, as just a big show where they film the outside of the house. Maybe they've done a smidge, a little bit of filming in the house, but most of it was at Steiner Studios or in a major studio Place, right? Where they have more control of the set. Even I, you know, I'm thinking of Sarah Jessica Parker's show and just like that, which is Sex in the City. That show, too, was all on a set that was not her apartment. Sure, they went on the outside of her apartment, but the inside was all a studio, right? So I think there is a lot of misconceptions about production, but still the fact that you can go to the exterior of these places. I think is a big win for you. Cause at least you are showing them something, right? If it was all studio, you wouldn't even have that. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: No, I would have absolutely nothing. And that's the thing when we start driving around. So I, I open it up with that. I give them a, a gentle, because even though the Creed movies were great and wonderful and all that, it, they're there for Rocky, but I have to open it up slowly. I can't hit them with the wham, bam, thank you. <laughs> you know, I want to build, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like building I- that
0: story, right? It's telling them something that they know, but then it's going into the more intricacies, right? And I think it depends on your audience too, right? Because some people listening to this could be diehard Rocky fans, right? Crazy fans like you, but there's some people who may just really appreciate the movie and not know as much, maybe quote unquote, not care as much, not in a, bad, in a they're just not as invested as you probably are or maybe other diehard fans. So its I think it depends who your audience is as well when you're doing these private experiences.
1: I would agree. And the thing that I i can, I almost customize the tour to each and every person. I've been doing these for the better part of 15 years. I probably have 2,800 or 3,000 tours under my belt and I've gotten a good feel for people. And I know one of the first questions I ask people is what's their favorite Rocky? And if someone tells me Rocky Four. None of it was filmed in Philly. So it's like, yeah, I get where They're more the the, the the sports aspect of it where the original Rocky and Rocky II, Rocky Balboa, more of a love story, more of just that slow burn to the end of the movie, which for me is what I fell in love with. And when I take these people to, say, Mighty Mixed Gym, where Rocky trained or let's say we're Rocky's apartment, or we go down to Father Carmine's window where he gets the blessing in Rocky too, right before the fight, or the Italian market where they throw the orange to him. we're going through these locations, you're literally walking in Rocky's footsteps. And if you're a fan of this movie, it washes over you. You are taken back because these locations have not changed. Maybe that coat of paint here or there, but essentially you look like you're in the movie from 1976. And this is the, the the concept I've always tried to incorporate. And I have so many facts and figures about each and every location. I can tell 10 stories at one location. So depending on what the person is about or in, I tell a longer version of the story, a shorter version. And you want to know something, Barrel that I found out about people? They want to hear themselves talk. Some people have a great story. And as much as they want to hear my story in the Rocky facts, I can see they're chomping at the bit to tell me their Rocky related story, how the character inspired them through a bad marriage, through cancer, a new job, losing a job, losing a pet, whatever. And everyone has their own Rocky story. And they give me a window into their life. At the beginning of the tour, we're strangers. At the end of the tour, I'm on their Christmas card list. It's the most amazing thing. You know
0: what- But you make a really good point there because a lot of times as a tour guide and a tour leader, right, you are leading that tour and you are telling your stories and you are going through these incredible locations and places. But with your type of tour and experience as a private experience of seven people, you have that intimate relationship with them. And in three, three and a half hours, there's a lot of talking and conversation. So I'm sure people have been inspired, right, by Rocky in their own way, just like you. And I'm sure they're excited to tell someone who is a Rocky fan these type of stories because it just makes them feel good. So I just, I absolutely love that. And I think you brought up such a good point, Mike. Thank you for sharing that. I'd love to, and you mentioned a bunch of places already as part of your tour. Can you name me some underrated places that are related to Rocky that you think people wouldn't think about or expect to go to? Maybe three to five.
1: So I would say One of the places people are blown away that we go to is Laurel Hill Cemetery in Philadelphia, where they actually have, spoiler alert for those of you who don't know, Adrian and Pauly are dead in in later films, and their headstones are there that were used in the movies.
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: yes, it's it's crazy, crazy people and the story that I tell behind the headstones why they are there is such a, a beautiful story that people just they don't they cannot believe that these are here and that you can see them touching the sides of the stones. I've had people grab, they go to the uh, the manager's office and they get a, pe- a lead pencil and a piece of paper and they do like a chalk rub of Adrian's headstone because there's there's some mystical energy off of that, they feel. And, and it, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it could be a little kooky, but I personally love it.
0: Hey, I'm all about the good energy, so that's okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> Exactly. I mean, that that really is, is quite unique. I would say another location is in the original Rocky. Rocky's walking home and he comes across Lou Marie and she's smoking and drinking and cursing on the corner. And Rocky walks her home and she's a 14-year-old girl. And he's trying to give her advice. You hang around with lemons, you get lemon friends. You hang around coconuts, you get coconut friends. It's simple mathematics. And he's trying to give her advice to be a better person, basically have an epiphany. And as she walks him home, she's not having any of it. She goes down the front porch and she says, Screw you, Creepo. And Rocky is so hurt by this. He can't, he's not hurt in a ring. We're men, he's he's a leg breaker for the, for the Gaza, the loan shark. But this 14 year old girl can hurt his feelings. And he, on his way home, he turns and he goes, Yeah, who are you to give advice to, Creepo? And this is a very empathetic moment. We see Rocky's nature as just a gentle human being. He's a savage in the ring, but here he just wants to be a good human. He wants to help his fellow man. And a lot of that was inspired by Charlie Chaplin. And Sly told me a story that really inspired him. Rocky is a modern day Charlie Chaplin. The Little Tramp, if you ever saw that old silent movie, that's where he got the idea for the hat, for Rocky to have a hat. Anyways, it's a great connection to the character of, of Rocky. The one thing, I, I think one thing a lot of foreign tourists don't realize is that there is a real Rocky statue at the base of the Rocky Steps. They thought it was just a styrofoam prop in a movie. Now Americans are a little more familiar with this and of course if you're from Philadelphia, everybody knows the Rocky statue. But people, and I get a lot of people from around the world, they had no idea you show them the Rocky statue, they go, oh my god, it's real? I go, yes, they made three of them. Stallone has one in his kitchen, there's one in a warehouse, and here's the one from the movie. So, there you go.
0: Wow, that's a fun fact. I'd love to know are there any fun facts about the movie or any props related to the movie that you can share that's kind of similar to that Rocky Balboa one? Because I I actually didn't know that myself, right? I knew it wasn't Styrofoam, but I didn't know that there were actually three of them out there. That's very interesting.
1: Oh, yeah. So I would say... In the original Rocky, his gray sweatpants that he wears, if you guys are listening to this, just Google Rocky training in the first Rocky movie. His sweatpants are filled with holes. They're shredded and ripped. They're grease covered. They're disgusting. They're ill fit. They're high waters on them, okay? They come to above the ankles. Stallone, when he sold the, the script of Rocky, he knew he was going to be doing outdoor running in the cold Philadelphia weather. So he buys a brand new pair of sweatpants. He was living in California at the time, and he had forgotten to bring to pack them. So he gets to Philadelphia. He's got no sweatpants. He's got no money. He just spent his last $5 on an old beat-up hat at a thrift store. So he's completely broke. He calls his brother Frank, who's living in New York, in the same apartment that he and Sly shared right before Sly sold Rocky. And he says, Frank... I need a huge favor. I don't have a pair of sweatpants. I have no money. I know you have no money. In the closet, in the old box on the floor, is a pair of my sweatpants. Can you bring them down the train tomorrow? I'm desperate. Yes, that's what a good brother will do. The next day, Frank brings the sweatpants down. He hands the sweatpants to his brother, and he goes, Sly, I don't think these are going to fit you. And he goes, what do you mean? And he goes, they look so small. And Sly says, well, the last time I wore these, I was in 10th grade. So number one, he grew. That's why they, they, they're they so ill-fitting on him. In the movie, but but number two, here comes the, the one-two punch. He's Stallone is looking at these sweatpants, and he goes, what, these holes, what's all the holes, Frank? They weren't like that when I put them in the box. And he goes, oh, when I took them out of the box... The bottom of the box had mouse and rat droppings. I was
0: just going to say, if it's in New York, there's got to be rats involved, unfortunately. exactly.
1: <laughs> unfortunately, that is a very true story. So because he forgot the brand new pair of sweatpants, what happens? He wears these old ugly ones, puts them on, and we believe Rocky is so disgustingly poor, this is all he could afford. And I'll tell you one more little short thing, and it's because Stallone demanded to be in this movie. They wanted Ryan O'Neill. They wanted Burt Reynolds, Jimmy Kahn. Robert Redford because they were the big stars and Stallone was a nobody at the time. So because Stallone demanded he play the lead role that he wrote for himself, they said, okay, we have many caveats. And one of the caveats is there's no money for a wardrobe allowance and all the actors had to buy their own clothes. Well, that's not a problem for the other actors because they're established. They've all got money. Stallone was dirt poor shopping at thrift stores so what did he do he opened up his closet and every ounce of clothing that was in his closet became rocky's wardrobe the black leather jacket that rocky is so famous for wearing was his winter jacket he wore 10 years previously when he lived in new york before he moved to california those sweaters there's one scene in particular where he yells at mickey and uh, my house that's right the whole place stinks These ugly sweaters were Stallone's. He was a size large, extra large. These sweaters were like a medium. They were skin tight (laughs) on him because that's all he had to buy.
0: That's crazy. When you think about that, really, it's, I guess when you watch a movie, right, you don't have that conception. You just think, oh, they're on a low budget. You know, it is what it is. But when you hear that backstory of, you know, even get bringing sweatpants because you're so poor, it it doesn't even sound real, right? Because now we know Sylvester Stallone is this yeah. mega star. But when you think about all the things they went through, you don't think about that. So. And that's such a misconception, right? And I want to go into your relationship with Stallone. I don't want to give so much away, right? I want people to do your tour and to learn more from you. But a lot of times people have misconceptions on celebrities, right? I've dealt with celebrities kind of from a distance in my life. And some of them are wonderful. Some of them are not so wonderful. So (laughs) if you know what I mean, but with Sylvester Stallone, he sounds like he comes from very humble beginnings, but I'd love to hear from someone who has a relationship with him. What kind of person is he, right? I don't know. I haven't heard anything bad about him right in the media or any gossip, you know, magazines or anything of who he is. He doesn't come across as somebody who has a lot of drama, but I'd love to hear it from someone who knows him, just the kind of person he is and just to give people an idea of like who the real quote unquote Rocky is.
1: <laughs> so that's such a great uh, segue. So you know, back in the eighties, you know, I was in my uh, late teens, or early twenties, and you know, Stallone lived a very volatile social life back then. He was dating a different socialite of the month, and there was a fair amount of drama. But he was also a very young man. The world was a candy store. Men wanted to be him. Women wanted to be with him. Everything he ever wanted, he had at his fingertips. And then he went through a divorce or two. And, you know, he, he wised up, and this is all his own account. So by the time we get to the like the last twenty years of his life, the last twenty five years of his life, he is everything you would hope he would be if you ever met him. He does not disappoint you. I've watched him. I've been around him at different points where people lose their composure around him. And before the unseen bodyguards come out of the woodwork to escort them on their way, he really works with them. And he really, he understands his personality can affect people to a certain degree in odd ways. So he understands they see Rambo, Rocky, the Expendables, whatever. And so he'll say, okay, he'll start talking to them about them. Before you know it, you're telling him your story and he hasn't even, you're calmed down. Okay. And so With me, it was always, I was always, I would talk to him in a manner that wasn't fanboyish. I never went nuts going in for the picture or the autograph. That was a byproduct of the conversation. That happened more times than not, but somebody else took the picture. I never said, let's take a picture, someone else did. And Stallone really respects stuff like that because people always want a picture so sticking a camera in his face, they want his autograph, and you know, you could sell his autograph now for fifteen hundred dollars on eBay. And so, you know, it even though he's a big star, it kind of hurts to be used in that way. Not like he doesn't internalize it, but it's like, ah, just give me someone I can have a normal conversation that doesn't want anything. You know what I wanted from Sly, I wanted his time, and he gave me that. Tenfold. And he, he shared so much. Now, you know, we we text message, we email. He endorsed my tour online. He puts out every once in a while, he'll just talk about me on his Instagram. like video, talking head, Sylvester Sloan, your idol slash hero. Here he is saying, you know, the ultimate Rocky tour is in Philadelphia. Go see Mike Kunda. So, you know, it's just one of those things where the guy I can't say enough nice words about the man. I can't.
0: That's really nice. And again, thank you for sharing that because a lot of times people think of a celebrity in one way and then turns out they're totally different. But the fact that you are somebody with true insider information and really as a friend, I'm going to call it at this point, you have a good relationship with him that you can really feel confident in saying that and not feeling like, oh, like I'm going to be nice and say that. But you're genuinely saying that from your heart. And I can just really, I can feel that. I'm sure listeners feel that genuine connection that you have. I think that's wonderful. I'd love to go into, I always love to talk about a little bit of food. Are there any restaurants related to Rocky that you think people should check out and again, feel like they're part of Rocky if they're in Philly?
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There is one in particular that I will promote until the day I die. It is the Victor Cafe on South Dickinson Street, right off of Broad, South Broad. Do yourselves a favor book a table at the Victor Cafe. It was the actual restaurant used as Adrian's, both exterior and interior. All Adrian's scenes from Balboa and both Creed movies were filmed at this location. It is an Italian restaurant and it it has an opera theme to it. While you eat dinner, they waitstaff breaks out into a three or four minute aria. It is breathtaking and many times will leave you with tears in your eyes to go back to your rigatoni, your spaghetti and your gnocchis, your meatballs. It is amazing. And upstairs, they have a bunch of props that were used in the movie, a lot of the pictures. There's uh, great paintings in there. There's some autograph stuff from Stallone in the loft area. And the owners, uh, Greg and Alexa Stefano, have become dear friends of mine. And if it wasn't for them and two other friends, uh, Steve Green and Renato D'Angelo, they were complete strangers. Uh, they owed me nothing. And they invited me into this restaurant during filming when I wasn't supposed to be there. And they simply... Felt the genuineness come off of me about this character, and I repay them by that's the only place I eat when I'm in Philadelphia. Now, I've been doing these tours fifteen years, and I have never eaten anywhere else. I've gotten coffee elsewhere. I refuse to eat at another restaurant.
0: So you've never even have you had a Philly cheesesteak in Philly, or that's not even a thing for you.
1: So that's not a thing for me because I'll tell you why. Okay, <laughs> a Philly cheesesteak. I haven't had a Philly cheesesteak in about fifteen years because, as Rocky, you have a certain form to fit. Now, I'm never going to be Rocky 3 and Rocky 4 with 3% body fat, but I feel I look more like the character when I'm rounder, like Rocky 1, Rocky 2. But I still can't eat cheesesteaks, okay? I have, I have to stay away from them. <laughs> I'm 53 years old, and if I and I love cheesesteaks, but if I start chowing down on them, forget about it. It's going to be blocky showing up for a tour or a, a gig because I'm also a Rocky impersonator for Rocky uh, or for corporate events and groups of that nature. You know, six, seven thousand people will come to the convention center or the hotel, the big ballrooms, and they'll bring me and Ben Franklin and Betsy Ross. will work the door, work the floor, welcome them, bring a Philly flair to an event. Does that make a little sense?
0: I love that. And that's another thing I didn't know you did as well. I know you did these tours, but that's really cool. People hire you, right, to be Rocky at these events and to show off who you are. I have a couple more questions before we slowly-ish wrap up here. Now, you mentioned before you competed for Rocky, right? A lot of people do compete for these things in general, whether it's becoming an impersonator or, you know, a stunt double, whatever it is. If anybody is doing this type of work, right, or wanting to become an impersonator to some level, what are some tips you can give to somebody to, I don't know. Give it a shot, right? If they really want to do this, like, what would you suggest?
1: First of all, it's got to be the minutiae you've got to start with because I don't think I look that much like Stallone. I think from 20 feet away, there is a resemblance. What I nail quite well is the mannerisms, the walk, the hand gestures, the way he talks with his head, the way his lower lip is crooked. There is a certain style laugh that he has, there's a certain physicality about his presence you must work on that if you can nail the minutia of a character that's it then everything else is props the rocky fedora the leather jacket the cut off gloves bouncing the ball those are props you put that on you're in philadelphia you're the same height as sylvester stallone you got dark hair are you kidding me it's a no-lose situation you will become the character Because I've seen guys who look far more like Stallone than I do. And I mean, I'm telling you, the guys in the contest, they looked far more like Rocky than I did. But they didn't have the minutia. And they didn't believe in themselves in that moment. They didn't become Rocky. They showed up to that contest as themselves dressed like Rocky. So, yeah, they look like him, but they didn't bring him to life. And that's what I do that's a little bit different. That would be my big thing.
0: I like that you shared that because I do think, right, you may not need to quote-unquote look the part like you said, but I really am such a firm believer in belief and mindset because if you really want something, you will make it work. And I'm sure you've watched all the Rocky movies, 20, 30, 50 times over. I'm sure you've watched him in interviews, the way he walks, the way he talks, the way he sits, the way he acts. Like you've gone that extra level that probably most of those people wouldn't even consider, which is why you're here, right? It's why you were able to go to that, you know, competition. It's why you were able to be there be friends with you know Stallone and you're able to have this type of tours because you really studied him and had this passion from within really since you were a kid you you've had it in you right you've always believed
1: I really want to thank you for saying that word passion because and I understand why people will say this people will say oh my god you're obsessed you're obsessed no it's not an obsession in my mind an obsession is that jealous boyfriend in high school that never left the girl alone, stalked her, right? It's a negative. Isn't obsession a negative connotation?
0: Yeah, I would say. I think obsession is depends on the context of the perception, right? To your point, obsession can be, yes, that jealousy and you get obsessed with it, but you can also you can argue, quote unquote, I say this loosely, but you can argue you're obsessed with getting excited, right? And getting into a business or, you know, being with somebody all the time. Like you can contextualize that, but I like to say passion because when you're passionate, right? I'm passionate about this podcast. I'm passionate about interviewing people like you. And it's you know, I love doing this. It's so exciting for me. I learn so much. I'm sure the listeners do too, and going on this journey with me. But really, it's a passion. You know, I, I'm obsessed and I like to do it, but it's not an obsession where it makes me sick. It's not an obsession where it becomes too much and it's overwhelming right? I think obsession can relate to overwhelming, but I consider it that you're passionate and you love this and it's exciting for you. And you wake up in the morning, feel enlightened, empowered, and looking forward to the day. Obsession is a negative way, you know?
1: Connotation. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I always saw it. I never, ever liked the word obsession, but passion is different because passion that just makes you so lighthearted to go after your dreams. Believe me, I'm living proof. No dream is improbable. You can do, but you got to have a passion. You got to eat, sleep, and drink it, which is what I did. But I also was able to divorce it in a millisecond. If I needed to just step out of that world and be present. I'm with my wife. We're here. We're having a nice dinner. She goes to the ladies' room. I'm back in my mind thinking of what (laughs) I need to do. And she comes back to the table. Bingo, bango. I'm out of Rocky mode. I'm back to being Mike. So there's also that thing, but I've been doing it for 40 years. I've been doing this back and forth with this character in my mind, building it and evolving it. I, I saw the first Rocky well over 600 times. And it's something that I just loved, And it was not because I don't have a lot of friends. (laughs) I put up my time into my work and then I put my time into, into being with my wife. So.
0: And that's okay too. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I I do believe it's passion, but it's also grit too, right? Like you want this and you have to work hard. So I do think, right. I think of grit as like boxing, getting gritty, but. It's, I like that. Yeah, I think so. It's it, Again, it's this idea of passion and grit, and it's not obsession because you can step away from that, right? Like, you know your role as Rocky, right? And you also know your role as Mike. So it's being- could
1: you, <laughs> could you imagine if I came home every day, right? And, and like, so my wife is home from work. She's sitting on the couch. I come in from, you know, parking the car. Yeah, how you doing, honey? Well, what's for dinner? You know what I mean? <laughs> we got like steak and eggs. What do we got? And she's like- Jesus, could you just stop with Rocky? Okay, the dog's got to go for a walk. We got to take the garbage out. We got to pay the bills. We have to go to my mother's tonight. If you're in Rocky 24-7, you need to be put in a mental institution, okay? I do shut it off at the appropriate times. But if I'm left to my own devices, the TV goes off upstairs. I'm down here in my little man cave. I'm writing scripts or stories or whatever and trying to just make my tours more interesting. And I think you got to have that hunger, like you said, that grit for it.
0: Absolutely. I think it's passion, it's grit, it's hunger, it's, it's wanting that, right? It's, it's that want more than anything else. So I love that you said that. And do my last question before we really wrap up here, but it's a question I love to ask at the end of every episode, is how do you want people to feel after they experience your tour, right? I know, obviously, experiencing feeling like Rocky, but I'd love to know any other words or sentences that you'd like to share.
1: It's about going back to unrealized dreams. So often we sit on the curb of life watching the parade pass us by and there goes our stifled dreams down the sewer because life happens. Life happens. And whatever we start out, we want to do this, but we can't get there because life has boxed us into a corner. What was it that you wanted to do when you were... 18 or 19 or 20 and now you may be 50 years old or 45 years old whatever you say you know what I always wanted to go back to school and get a business degree and I wanted to open up like a little coffee shop or a little eatery somewhere then you know what damn it go do it don't let it pass you by. Don't have that regret because when you're 95 years old on your deathbed, you say, why, why didn't I go back when I was 35 or 40? I should have went back to school and learned. I took that tour. That's right. Remember that guy? He thought he was Rocky. He wanted to build a tour. He wanted to be Rocky, but he couldn't be Rocky because Rocky isn't real, but he is a version of Rocky. So in other words, if you want to, if you had a dream of being a power forward for the 76ers, the Philadelphia 76ers, but you're only five foot five, Once you reach your total height, okay, you're not going to be able to play basketball, but what can you do? Maybe you develop the greatest sneaker in the world. Maybe you develop, maybe you're the team doctor or the team physician. Maybe you're going to be the coach and you develop new plays that are going to change the world of basketball. In other words, what tools are in your toolbox that you can walk away with? I couldn't be Rocky, but I became a version of Rocky. And that's what I want people to remember. No dream is improbable.
0: That is a fantastic message, Mike. I love that. I, it's like almost mic drop, but it's so true. I think a lot of people maybe are nervous, right, to step out of their comfort zone. Con- I was. I'm sure. I'm listen. I'm. I was nervous doing a podcast. You know, we're all nervous of things, but we get better. You know, I my theory on this, and you know, we'll then we'll wrap up here, but my theory on this is being 1% better every single day, right? What is one thing you can do today that moves the needle to tomorrow? You know, what is that thing that will push you toward passion, push you to your next greater highest self? And it could be one thing, right? It could even just be watching a YouTube video on how to do something. It could be just, right? I bought this mic, right? And I'm starting a podcast. So if there's something that you want to do, it's right following that dream, but it's doing 1% every single day. And sooner or later, you'll look back in three months and think, wow, I accomplished so much in that time. You know, and I just, I love that messaging. I can't thank you enough. And I, I always hate to wrap these up, but Mike... And, you know, I can call you Rocky too. You have been so wonderful. Your knowledge and wisdom does not go unnoticed. I love the idea of your tour. I love that you believed in yourself so hard to make your dreams come true. It's really amazing to watch and unfold. I wish you all of the best and all of the success in the entire world. I'd love for you to shamelessly plug away your website, social media, and most importantly, how can people book a private experience with you?
1: You can book a private tour with me. You can go to the website, which is the Yo! Philly Rocky Film Tour. You can find me at Instagram, the Yo! Philly Rocky Film Tour. The link in bio on my Instagram profile, that will take you right to the the tour website. You can read my book, Cue the Rocky Music, wherever books are sold. You can also check out on Amazon Prime a documentary about my life called The Pretender. A film crew followed me around for five years. It was their idea, not mine. And they captured what my life is like, how all this came to be. And there is a very surprised guest in the movie with me <laughs> whose initials are SS. Check that out. He asked me to be in it, believe it or not. <laughs> it was. It's a crazy story, but check that out and you know, enjoy
0: amazing and again thank you so much mike for coming on thank you so much for tuning into travel experiences reimagined podcast click the subscribe button to learn about a new tour guide or host each week where you'll find out more about how they got started talking in detail about their experience and any fun facts or tips that they'd like to share do you have an experience that you would like others to learn about whether it is a tour excursion adventure or experience Fill out our form online on our website at www.TravelExperiencesReimagined.com for a chance to share your story and experience so others can learn more about what you have to offer.